I've put on so much weight in the last little while, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Who'd have thought all that eating and not walking? <laughs> Color me shocked. Color me fat. <laughs> oh boy. Yes, I'm now the same weight as my husband. I'm like trying to picture Dan. I'm like, okay, I can see it. <laughs> skitty, skitty, skitty. <laughs> it comes to us all. Some of us, it came much earlier than others. So <laughs> we've had time to adjust. Welcome to the newest episode of Rabbit Holes Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Elise. And I'm your other host, Andy. And it's our Christmas show. Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! Woohoo! We're still actually a couple weeks out, I know. but that's okay. <laughs> We're banking a lot of episodes. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, yes. So, we didn't get to see each other last year. I know. On Christmas, for our Christmas episode. I was re-listening to the year in review episode for next week, so I could like remind myself what we actually did. Um, and see if our predictions came true. And that's when we exchanged Christmas gifts. Ah. It was New Year's. So. We're going to do it this time now. We're doing it this time now. So, on the ledge behind you. <gasps> terribly hidden, because you've been sitting in front of them for the yeah. last little while. <gasps> gifts for the kids and gifts for you. Yay! And I have gifts for you, too. Ooh. And they're not wrapped as eloquently as last year. <laughs> you mean the John Hamm paper? <laughs> the kaposh. Johnny kaposh. Mostly because I uh, I was in the shower last night at like 11 o'clock and I was like, oh shit, I have to wrap the presents. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, I'll come back after dropping the kids off. But I forgot like my appointment was at nine. So I was like, mm, I won't. I will have to be going from. Ooh, thank you. You want to start with yours? Sure. I am. Now so, opening. Wait. So this is for you for your planned trip in March to New York. Right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So, this will help you plan it. <gasps> oh my goodness! <laughs> it's a little Playbill notebook. That is awesome. Now, you didn't think that I was just going to get you a Playbill notebook for Christmas, did you? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we got you this as well. They shipped it flat, so I was like, I'll just wrap it flat, and then I wrapped it flat, but it was really dumb, so I just folded <laughs> it back in on itself. So once you see all the Broadway shows, <gasps> you need a place to put all of your souvenir Playbill books. So this is straight from the Playbill store. Oh my god! There's a little... Yeah, there's a little... And I have a collection of Playbills at the house. Perfect! So you can already start your collection. <sighs> But now you didn't think I was just going to get you a Playbill notebook and a Playbill book, did you? I don't know. <laughs> well, you're going to need something to actually put the Playbill, to get Playbills to put them in there, so. You uh, did too much, Elise. Uh, I have absolutely no clue about anything Broadway, so I figured I would just let you pick. So, yes. There are gift certificates there for you to get shows. I, I assume that this isn't a scam and this is actually where you go to buy it tickets. It is. It is absolutely where you okay. go. Okay. <laughs> I was worried there for a little while. I was like, Andy will confirm if it's true. Thank you. So I hope you'll use those for a show that you thought was too expensive to spend money on. Oh. Those can make up the difference. I'm going to cry. Yes. That is the whole point of gift giving. It's to make the other person cry. It is. <laughs> it so is. So yeah. Here's your, you better go. If you do yeah. not go in March, I'm going to have serious problems. No, oh, I'm going in March or April. <laughs> I will be going. Thank you. You're welcome. Now I feel bad because I don't think mine is, is awesome, but. <laughs> Honestly, you texted me one night. You're like, oh, your gifts got here finally. I was like, shit, gifts. I need to get on that. <laughs> so it's a really good thing you said something because otherwise. <laughs> you're like, fuck, what do I do? Oh, this is awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. Yes, I better cry. <laughs> Which should I start with? Does it matter? It doesn't matter. They're both sort of themed, because I like to theme my presents. Of course. And they're, they're building on last year's theme. Ponies or John Hamm? <laughs> or 
Ooh, a woman's guide to cannabis. <laughs> Using marijuana to feel better, look better, sleep better, and get high like a lady. <laughs> it's that get high like a lady part that's important. <laughs> Ooh. There's Thank also you. recipes for, like... For all that weed oil that I made and have not used yet. <laughs> Sweet. Awesome. Also how you can put it in soaps and stuff. Ooh, how to decarboxylaxalaxa. Yeah. I can never pronounce that. Awesome. Thank you. Although I'd ordered this, and then I was watching, about a week later, after it came in, I was watching an episode of Graham Norton. Okay. And they had, I don't remember what her name was, and she was just talking about, like, a, she just put in her biography, and she's a duchess, and she was, like, a lady-in-waiting to Princess uh, Anne, no, Princess Margaret. Okay. Queen's sister. And then she was talking about, like, how her her wedding night, her husband took her on her honeymoon to um, Paris. And, like, she's like, you know, I was a virgin. I was, like, and their wedding night wasn't anything special. I think he fell asleep. <laughs> and then the next night he took her to a live sex show. Oh. And she's like, what am I watching? <laughs> are they still together? They are. But oh. it's just, like, I'm like, I'm sure that this is, like, a bonkers. <laughs> and that's this author? No, no it's, it's, I just saw that book and I was like, damn it, why didn't I buy that book for oh. release? But no, this is something different. Well, birthday comes along in six months. That is so. true, yes. Mmm. <laughs> and this is for your enjoyment. <gasps> oh my god. The Triceratops taco holder. The Saturdays are all about the taco and weed. Exactly. Tacos and weed. I love it. Full disclosure, last night was my tacos and weed night, and it was the best night I've had in a long time. <laughs> yes, my Triceratops taco holder. I love it. Thank you. Because <laughs> nothing says getting high like a lady like eating tacos out of a dinosaur. <laughs> love it. <laughs> I have such a hard time like with the hard tacos, so I avoid them. <laughs> but now I don't have to, because I'm a holder. I love it. Thank you very much. <laughs> I saw that on a BuzzFeed list because I bought the book and I was like, oh, what else am I going to get to go with it? And then I saw that on a BuzzFeed list. I'm like, that is definitely, if it's on Amazon.ca, yeah. <laughs> that is definitely Elise's. It's true. Tacos and weed. There's nothing better. Thank you very much. I love it. <laughs> I was hoping you'd like it. Because yeah, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> oh. I might have to start having the weed before I have the tacos, just so I can make the dinosaur roar while I'm eating it. <laughs> Please! <laughs> <laughs> but those are for the girls. I will. I will bring them home and let them open them. No! No? Alright. F them. <laughs> Says when she gives them gifts. This builds on the discussion we just had at lunch. Hopefully these are better selections than last year's rape book. <laughs> For those of you who don't remember last year, Elise got my kid, uh, my oldest, a book on goddesses, which is really cool, but it's meant for slightly older children, uh, or teenagers, or young adults, because it does mention rape a lot, <laughs> so we have to gloss over those. <laughs> Angry tickling, as I think they should be called when read to children. So this one, my friend's, my friend adopted um, a little black girl uh, a couple years ago, and he was saying they got her this book, because they're both white. So they want her to have positive black role models in her life. Oh, I have the bigger book on her. Oh, good. Yeah. So I can't remember the name of it. What's the name of the book? Uh, Dream Big Little One. There you go. Yeah. Even though your girls are white, they need to start seeing positive black. Oh, of course. Models. And actually, yeah, we have the whole, there's a whole <laughs> book on Maya Jemison. Oh, okay. Um, I don't remember what the title of it is now, but I did get it for Victoria last year. It's a little bit old because they both loved the um, <clears throat> Chris Hatfield. Oh yeah, yeah. Darkest Dark one. So yeah, nice. yeah. Which I have two copies of it because they fought over it, and now Victoria doesn't like to read it. She just wants to read Room on the Broom. Oh boy. Every night. It's not Halloween anymore though. It's still actually it's a really cute little story. And this one might be slightly older, but I figured less rapey. Less rapey, but still for slightly older girls. But they'll grow into it. Yes. Five minute stories for fearless girls. Ah, so cool. 
So I think more along the veins of the goodnight stories for rebel girls, but a little more every day. Nice. I do believe Haley Wickenheiser is in there somewhere. Cool. Viola Desmond. Very, very cool. <laughs> Thank you so much. I love books. <laughs> so now Dan doesn't have to read scary rape stories to them. <laughs> we only brought it up because I think the first time this week for our listeners was Dan. She made Liz made Dan read her the goddess one. And like I probably he's probably read it before, but if she's only had him do her favorites, which is like Pele and Spider Woman, right. those are pretty like benign. But yeah. I think she made him read her a couple of ones that there's one that's really heavy on the rape. So like <laughs> It's like a really short story that a mummy just has to gloss over the rest of it. (laughs) God, the Greeks are... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They don't have the best reputation for the... Yeah. (laughs) Jeez. (laughs) Well, now that we have open gifts, I think it's time to move on to Christmas stories. Yes. So, we both know what each other is doing, because we didn't want to tread on any toes, and uh, it's a good thing we did, because... We kind of shipped in the night this. Uh, so I knew you're doing TV Christmas movies. Yes. So I wanted to do something complimentary. And I saw this article on BuzzFeed earlier this month that was asking the important question, are these Christmas movies or are they just regular movies with Christmas scenes? So since you're focusing on TV, I'm going to focus on big screen Christmas movies. Uh, but Andy did write a blog about Christmas before the blog died. <laughs> Because of me. I wasn't going to name names, but yeah. <laughs> so, but the blog is still there. I, I, I think it's a good idea. I just think we... <laughs> the time commitment was yeah. a bit extra. Yeah. <laughs> it might come back around someday. It's still there. It's yeah. not going anywhere. Uh, there is a, um, your blog entry from last year about Christmas movies, so I did read it so that I'm not treading on any toes. There. I don't know if anybody else read it, but <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> So, big screen Christmas movies. We all know them, we all have our favorites, and we would rewatch those year after year without fail. Last year, while writing for The Independent, uh, Komaha and Keen asked what makes a Christmas movie work, and they had a few ideas. And these are just like big themes that pop up in these show- movies all the time. So, uh, one of the common ones is magic. As we age, that sense of wonder that comes with holiday starts to fade, so a good Christmas movie is imbued with magic to remind you of that feeling of wonder. So think of Elf. Very magically themed. Another big theme is family. Uh, Being around family can be stressful, so it's nice to see a family that's either more fucked up than yours, uh, or one that operates on a healthy level. So like love, actually. We have a little bit of both in there. Desperation. Uh, In the vein of family, you just want everything to be perfect and to go perfectly, so there's a certain sense of desperation. It's nice to see reflected back at you from the silver screen. there are scenes from Scrooged where Bill Murray should have won an Oscar for the sense of desperation he's able to imbue, <laughs> in my humble opinion. Also, like, that's, you know, on the funny end of that, that's all National Lampoons. It's just that, like, sense of... Impending doom. Of, like... Unless it's perfect. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, another big theme, mayhem. Uh, you've just spent weeks getting your home and mental health ready for a rash of visitors, so you want to see someone else going through a little bit of mayhem to empathize with them. National Lampoons. Home Alone. Yeah. Also based on mayhem. Karma. Uh, not just a requirement for the holidays, but if any time of year is going to show you that assholes get their comeuppances, it would be nice to see that at the holidays. Like Die Hard. <laughs> Which is why Die Hard is a Christmas movie. <laughs> uh... This is where, like, the list gets, like, not so fun, but self-acceptance. Everyone likes to feel like they belong and have value in their life. Um, but to tie that to the holidays, you get yourself Christmas movie gold. So think It's a Wonderful Life. Much about self-acceptance. And then there's music. Uh, there's a soundtrack to the holidays that always takes us right back to happy memories. And it seems to sidestep the unhappy ones. Like, I can never remember unhappy memories while listening to Bing Crosby. Nope. Mm-mm. So, throwing a couple of carols into the mix is a sure way of making sure a Christmas movie will be a hit, like White Christmas or Holiday Inn. <clears throat> Screenwriting Magazine had a few more items to throw on the list of things you need for a good Christmas music, uh, Christmas movie, 
One of them is romance. If you're going to fall in love, what more magical time of year than the holiday season? Though one could argue romance is a crucial factor to a lot of successful movies. That's why I love actually. I think you can watch all year long. Yeah. Nostalgia, which builds on the themes of magic and family. Nostalgia brings us back to a time where things were perfectly perfect and gives us the warm and fuzzies. So a Christmas Carol. You can watch the 800 iterations of that movie and it always has the same yeah. warm and fuzzy feeling. Because there has been like a thousand versions of the Christmas. <laughs> yes. of Christmas I actually Carol. counted for this story, so we can <laughs> okay. talk about how many there are. <laughs> Uh, and then there's Christmas itself and the traditions around it. You can't have a Christmas movie if it doesn't look like Christmas. So National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation looks like an aggressively 80s Christmas movie. Because <laughs> it's an that's aggressively... What it was. <laughs> so, not included on this list, but uh, what I think is important uh, is also to have a happy ending. Um, they're important for all stories you're going to invest time and emotion in, but to not have a happy ending at Christmas is just beyond the pale. Unacceptable. Like, yeah. think of one Christmas movie that doesn't have a good, happy ending. Nope, can't. Nope, because it doesn't exist. That is true. Prove me wrong, listeners. <laughs> so, let's start with Christmas movies themselves, whose popularity is befuddling to me before we can go on to the fun stuff. Originally, I had these put at the bottom of my list to talk about, but then I was like, let's end positively. <laughs> it's the holidays. So there are two movies that are Christmas that I just do not understand why they're so popular. And the first is It's a Wonderful Life. <clears throat> I think you said... Yeah, I'm, I'm on the same page with you. I, I think I've only maybe watched the whole movie once. Yeah. If I've even done that. <clears throat> yeah, I think I tuned out in the middle of it at some point. I don't know. Uh, I think my dislike for this one comes from uh, when I was a kid and I had no patience for black and white movies. Like my dad would try to put them on and I'd be like, this isn't, this isn't real. You're just making this up. This isn't real. Uh, so I think that's where it started. Uh, it's so depressing, though, that, like, the last five minutes of extreme cheer just can't make up what came before the for me. soul-crushingness of the rest of the yeah. movie? Yeah. Like, I have not, like you said, sat down and watched the entire thing, but I've seen enough of it to know that, like, the real bummer that is the first two hours does not get negated by the last five minutes for me. Every time a bell rings... The angel gets its wings. The only time I want to hear or see that is in the National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation movie. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, a little girl almost dies. Come on. Like, Scrooged uh, in A Christmas Carol can get pretty dark. But, like, there's humor to counter that darkness. Yeah. And I think that humor is missing in this movie. So you can't have that extreme darkness without the extreme humor that is Scrooged or National yeah. Lampoon's. Like, there has to be a trade-off, and it's just yeah. not there for me. Uh, so, so yeah, I've never understood why this movie stands out to so many people that befuddled. Uh, the other one in that vein is Miracle on 34th Street. Uh, what boot? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't yeah. even know if I've watched all of Miracle on 34th Street, to be honest. So there was the original Black and White. Which, I'm, I'm a lover of old movies, right. so it's not the old moviness or the black and whiteness of it. Right. It's the fact that neither of these seem interesting to me personally, as a kid or as an adult or as a teen when I was a teen, early 20s, when I was going through my real old school movie phase. Right. Yeah, fair. I had to be different, I guess. <laughs> um, so the first one, Black and White, did not appeal to me as a kid. Even the remake that they made when I was like eight or nine-ish with um, Matilda in it yes. as the kid. Yeah. It never really caught my fancy. Uh, it's a Christmas story that involves a court scene as a major climax point. I can't. <laughs> It Why? just doesn't scream child-friendly. No. Or, like, interesting at all. Like, there's just not enough. There's is it not like, enough. To me, I don't think I've ever really watched it, and it's like, is it To Kill a Mockingbird but at Christmas? Yeah, that's a fair way of putting it. <laughs> just without Gregory Peck. No, is Gregory Peck in it? Uh, Literally, I cannot now picture who the lawyer is. <laughs> Surely Temple is in the original, right? No. No. It's another one of those, like, stable stars, though. Keep going. I'll okay. look it up. No, that was all I had on Miracle and 34th Street, Because so. <laughs> it's not worth talking about more. <laughs> John Payne. I have no clue who that is. Natalie Wood played the girl, though. That sounds familiar. Margaret O'Hare. Maureen O'Hare, so she must have played the daughter. John Payne, Natalie Wood, and Edmund Greer. Honestly. I mean, 
I would rather watch. It won three Academy Awards. Best Actor in a Supporting Role, Best Writing, Original Story, Best Writing Screenplay, and it was nominated for Best Picture but lost to A Gentleman's Agreement. (laughs) Old-timey weirdness. (laughs) So those are the two movies that uh, I don't understand the mass appeal to, but now I want to move on to some of the Christmas movies that we love. And of course, the first, the big, the main one, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. So this is one of the late, great John Hughes's most enduring films. It's actually the third film in the Vacation series. Uh, The OG Wally World was the first, uh, and then they had the European Vacation, then this one, and then Vegas, and then they did the reboot with Ed Helms a couple of years ago. Which is not good, but it has some some really funny... Have you watched it? Yes. The parts with the car. Yeah. (laughs) Like, sometimes when I'm high... I'll just find those parts on YouTube, and I usually end up laughing so hard, I pee myself. (laughs) It does have its moments. Um, The part, it's just the parts with the car. You can fast forward through everything else. (laughs) That and the parts with the Helms. Ed Helms. Yeah. Yeah. No, Helms. uh, Not Ed Helms. Not Chris. um, Chris uh, Thor. What's his face? Helmsworth? Helmsworth. Yes. Hemsworth. Hemsworth. Oh, boy. So if you've been living under a rock since 1988, the plot is pretty straightforward. Clark Griswold hosts his family at his home in Chicago for the holidays. Both sets of in-law parents are invited. His cousin Eddie and Eddie's wife and kids appear unexpectedly. And then extended family members show up for dinner on Christmas Eve. It's not his cousin Eddie. She, Beverly, it's actually her real name, sorry. She is, is her cousin is the wife of Eddie. Oh. He's called him Cousin Eddie, but he's not actually related to Clark. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, something new every day. <laughs> I've watched that movie a lot. <laughs> so fine. I don't think I've ever put two and two together on that one, but there you yeah. go. Uh, the external tension in the movie comes from Clark waiting for his Christmas bonus so he can put a pool into his backyard. In addition to all the family chaos, it's a stressful mess and hilarity ensues. There were some really big names attached to the project. Uh, Chevy Chase is Clark Griswold, obviously. Beverly D'Angelo is his wife, Ellen. They were consistently, and those two were consistent throughout the run of vacation movies. However, the children changed repeatedly. In this one, Juliette Lewis plays their daughter, Audrey, and Johnny Galecki plays their son, Rusty. So Johnny Galecki now has a like a career revamp, but he was like pretty established in his own right as a kid, too. Randy Quaid is Cousin Eddie, Doris Roberts plays one of the in-laws, and Julia Louis-Dreyfus plays the snobbish neighbor, Margot. Uh, I don't know, Margot. (laughs) We worked with a Margot, and I spent so much time looking for an opportunity to say just that in that tone, and it never presented itself. (laughs) I mean, Margot's got, like, a great sense of humor, but I'm pretty sure she's probably heard it, like, a gajillion times, and so appreciated that it never got busted on (laughs) her. I just also go, I'm like, where's the opening? Where's my opening? <laughs> like, I don't know, Marco. Uh, lastly, Mae Kestrel plays Aunt Bethany. Uh, Mae started her career in 1930 as the voice of Betty Boop, and this was her last project. Oh. Fun times. Aunt Bethany is probably one of the best parts of a gajillion best parts in that movie. <laughs> I hear a bunny squeaking. <laughs> you couldn't hear a dump truck grow through a nitroglycerin plant. Grace, Grace has been dead for 30 years. <laughs> I love it. This is the whole rest of the podcast is us just, quoting. Yeah, quotes. There was one or two years where I did a run of like Facebook status updates where it was just like nonstop vacation movie <laughs> quotes for a year for like the entire month. <laughs> Here are some fun facts from the IMDb trivia page about the movie. Uh, After failing to get the Christmas lights to work one last time in the flick, Clark Griswold takes his frustration out on the plastic decorations in the front yard. Remember, like, the full-on freak-out with the kicks and the punches? Chevy Chase actually broke his pinky finger while punching Santa Claus, so he resorts to kicking and clubbing the decorations after that. The film kept rolling, and that was the take they decided to use. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, despite being a Christmas movie, Christmas Day is never actually seen. The film ends on Christmas Eve. I had always sure. assumed it was Christmas dinner that they're all sitting down to, but then yep. I read that. I was like, oh, no, no, you're right. It's Christmas yeah. Eve dinner. Yeah. Not that they would have had any presents because they did, you know, <laughs> blow up the tree. tree. Yeah. 
Uh, speaking of which, the scene where the cat bit the Christmas light cord and got electrocuted, spoilers, was nearly cut from the movie. Uh, prior to the first test screening, the studio executives wanted the scene taken out, fearing that it might offend some viewers. But producer Marty Simmons begged them to leave the scene in, and they eventually gave in to his request. After the first test screening, the test audience scored the cat electrocution scene as one of the number one favorite scenes throughout the entire film. And as much as I love cats, it is one of the most genius moments in that flick, and I cannot imagine it not being there. <laughs> I know. Although I also know that uh, Christmas lights don't have enough electricity to do that because my rabbit did it. Shoot <laughs> the Christmas lights once. But it's still like, we had cats the entire yeah. time I was growing up, and it was still like, don't let the cat chew on the cord <laughs> for this very reason. <laughs> oh. So we've already said a few, but this flick has so many iconic quotes, and I still use some of these in like my day-to-day conversation, regardless of time of year. I will still bust some of these out. Uh, so when um, Eddie shows up, Clark says, oh, Eddie, if I woke up tomorrow with my head sewn to the carpet, I wouldn't be more surprised than I am now. That's what I use a lot. <laughs> could sew me to the head to the carpet, and I could not be more surprised. Uh, Clark Griswold's utter freak out at the end. Uh, where do you think you're going? Nobody's leaving. Nobody's walking out on this fun old-fashioned family Christmas. No, no, we're all in this together. This is a full-blown forlorn holiday emergency here. We're gonna press on. We're gonna have the hap-hap happiest Christmas since Bing Crosby tap dance with Danny fucking K. K. (laughs) And when Santa squeezes his fat ass down that chimney tonight, he's gonna find the jolliest bunch of assholes on this side of the nuthouse. A truly A-plus freak out from Chevy Chase on that one. <laughs> this one, I remember the first time I saw it, and, like, we had to stop it, because, um, I, like, my mom and I thought we were going to pee ourselves laughing. It's the sledding scene. Oh, I know. Yeah. Because uh, so. that's so not even remotely close to Chevy Chase. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, hold, yeah, that's you. But it's the lead-up to it when they're at the top of the hill, and Clark's putting that spray on the 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 saucers. And Eddie says, don't go put none of that stuff on my sled, Clark. You know the metal plate in my head? I have to have it replaced, because every time Catherine revved up the microwave, I'd piss my pants and forget who I was for a half hour or so. So over at the VA, they had to replace it with plastic. Dana's strong, and I don't know if I should be go sailing down no hill with nothing between the ground and my brains but a piece of government plastic. And Clark's classic response, you really think that matters, Eddie? <laughs> He's like, well, my part won't look right. <laughs> I love it. And then, of course, Shitter's full. <laughs> shitter's full. Check our shitter lately. Uh, another one that I use quite frequently. Uh, can I refill your eggnog for you? Get something to eat? Drive you out to the middle of nowhere and leave you for dead? <laughs> Always offering to drive someone out to the middle of nowhere and leave them for dead. So, yes, this is one of my favorite. I think it's everyone's favorite. I, I think it's everybody's favorite, too. <laughs> another one, and this one is contentious, is Die Hard. I always consider this a Christmas movie. So here's the plot summary from IMDb. Uh, New York cop John McClane goes on a Christmas vacation to visit his wife slash ex-wife Holly in Los Angeles, where she works for the Nakatomi Corporation. While they are at Nakatomi headquarters for a Christmas party, a group of robbers led by Hans Gruber takes control of the building and holds everyone hostage, with the exception of John. While they plan to perform a lucrative heist, unable to escape and with no immediate police response, John is forced to take matters into his own hands. This is a contentious holiday movie. People classify, some people classify this as an action movie that just happens to take place at Christmas. But given how prominent the holiday is featured in the plot development and in the set decor, again, another really aggressively 80s <laughs> Why, yes. holiday setting, I've always considered this to be a Christmas movie. Uh, and this flick had big names in the cast as well. So Bruce Willis, of course, at the height of his moonlighting uh, fame. So this was his first kind of crossover into big budget action. Bonnie Bedelia. Remember, it was the 80s, so she was a, a name then. Alan Rickman, of course, uh, and Reginald Vell Johnson. And this was just around the time Family Matters was starting. So he had a perfect yeah. kind of double hit uh, at the start of his career. Uh, so fun facts. Because Bruce Willis's character was barefoot when the terrorist attack started, and he subsequently spends a lot of time walking around on broken glass, Willis was actually wearing fake rubber feet throughout most of the movie. Uh, it's pretty obvious in some of the shots when he falls and like his pants right up above his ankles, so he's just wearing like what looks like hobbit shoes. <laughs> I know. It's pretty, it's pretty bad. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, also, this was Alan Rickman's first Hollywood feature film. Previously, he had been a stage actor only. Nailed it. Yes. Come out big, swinging. Worked. Uh, next on my list, uh, big ones to talk about, uh, Elf. Though Andy has no soul and doesn't love this one, as the rest of us this. do. Yeah. Yeah. Will Ferrell is undoubtedly a comedic genius, but it was Elf in 2003 that made him a movie star. Uh, here's one review that I think sums up pretty well why Elf is such a big hit. Quote, by tapping the childlike sense of mischief present in his best SNL characters, director John Favreau weaponizes Farrell's manic energy for a Christmas movie that's sweeter than a candy cane but doesn't give you a post-sugar rush headache. So yeah, that manic yeah, oh yeah. ball of energy. Like, you gotta put that in a six-foot tall elf costume and let it loose in New York. <laughs> like, of course. I think we can all agree that music is an important component to a good Christmas movie. And in Elf, we have that lovely duet between Will Ferrell and Zoe Deschanel, uh, which, baby, it's cold outside. I'm not such a fan in retrospect over the last couple of years, but it is, they sing it. They're lovely. Yeah. Complimentary. Uh, it wasn't in the original script. John Favreau added it to the movie at the last minute when he found out that Deschanel had a set of pipes on her. Uh, so we just have to ignore that ick factor uh, to like, and the fact that Will Ferrell's character pretty much lets him into like a woman's shower room to sing it with her. But other than that, it's a delightful song. Yeah. <laughs> also, what store has women's shower facilities in it? None of the ones I ever worked at, that's for damn sure. Never worked at a big department store. True, so. true, true, true. Speaking of iconic scenes in Elf, the fight between Buddy and Santa in the store had to be done in a single take. Uh, while the movie posits that Buddy set up that winter wonderland in a single night, in reality, the prop department took weeks to build it, so there wasn't an option for a second take. According to Artie Lang, who plays Santa in that scene, Favreau told him to just go nuts, and they did. So, I'm going to rewatch it now with that in the back of my mind. <laughs> Poor sets. Set designers are probably like, <sighs> so at that point, work. they'd seen the script, so you just oh, no, know. Oh, no, no, I know, but it's just it's heartbreaking to watch, like, Weeks yeah. of your work. Yeah. yeah. Go down the tubes. <laughs> In minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Another really big one uh, that uh, defines, I think, our generation uh, is Home Alone. And another of the great John Hughes' Christmas movies. Mm -hmm. That guy just was like, had a print for money out back and was taking advantage of it until you that much. But I think a lot of people don't really realize that National yeah. Lampoons is a John yes. Hughes movie because it doesn't fit in with the pretty in pink six yeah yeah even home alone like it still fits in with that sort of family friendly whereas <laughs> lampoons is way up there yeah well, lampoons is you know foul-mouthed and yeah but that's how he started his writing career was yeah. with those it's the whole um danny from uh, full house what's his face bob saget yeah like he had a really dirty stand-up career oh and for an after has. full house but, like, everyone remembers him as the dad from Full, Full House. House. Yes. <laughs> like, that's how he got America's Funniest Home Videos. Like, yeah. yeah. But then if you've ever seen his stand-up, you're like, what the hell? Yeah. Because he is raunchy. Yes. So, John Hughes again. That's true. Very well. <laughs> uh, so, speaking of which, Home Alone. Uh, it combines so much of the things that make a Christmas movie great. It looks like Christmas. It has some fucked up family dynamics and a lot of mayhem and karma. I mean, honest to God, like, are you ever going to forget your kids? At home. No, hell no. Right. Like, even, like... That is some bad parenting right it, it just is. <laughs> like, at the very... like Twice. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's a little... It's hard to believe. Also, like, those... Like, yes, yeah, some of their kids were older, but how do you as a parent sit in first class and relegate all of your children with nobody to look after them to coach? To be fair, that was the only part of the movie that seemed reasonable to me. <laughs> Again, poor parenting. Like, good life yes. choices for the parents. Yeah. But that's going to get you kicked off of a current flight. They're going to stop somewhere and deposit you and your unruly children. But those kids were, like, only, like, Fuller was, like, really young. The rest of them, I think, would be fine sitting alone in a contained area. Like, they're not going to freak out, throw tantrums. I assume. I, I'm pretty sure Buzz was a psychopath. Well, yeah, but like the thing with psychopaths is they look normal. That's true. That's true. <laughs> All right. Continue on. So Home Alone has some standout visuals, like the pizza guy knocking over the lawn jockey every time he stops to deliver food. That tarantula on Marv's face. 
like ah, uh, the faux Christmas party that Kevin stages with like the a basketball player going around on the the, the record train. player. Oh yeah, the train. Yes. As well as some great sound bites. Uh, you're what the French call les incompetents. <laughs> Still say that a lot. <laughs> Uh, guys, I'm eating junk food and watching rubbish. Better come out and stop me. Buzz, your girlfriend, woof. Which it turns out that the girl in that picture is actually a dude with a wig. <laughs> it's one of, like, the set director's, like, son or something yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, there's the iconic Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. Which I was sitting in a meeting at our last workplace, and one of the quiet girls suggested that that be the closing for our annual Christmas letter that we were going to send out. I would say that that was when the meeting went off the rails, but the meeting had never been on the rails. To start off with. <laughs> so it's an apropos ending. <laughs> Speaking of that tarantula, uh, while the props department had a fake one ready to go in that scene, the director made them use a real one, and its name was Barry. <laughs> so keep that in mind the next time you're watching that scene. Up next, uh, Love Actually. Lots of stories that all tied together somehow. Many of them seem sweet. Some of them are pretty creepy, looking at you, the Walking Dead guy. And some are just sad. Standout performances by Colin Firth, Emma Thompson, and Hugh Grant, though. Uh, for all the various storylines that made the movie, there were actually four that were filmed that, that got cut. Can yeah. you imagine, like, cramming for another four stories? That, that movie was, I think in the initial, it was, like, three and a half hours long or Whoa, something the first that's time. Too much. That's too much. Uh, one of the ones that got cut featured Francis de la Tour, who plays um, Meta Maxine from the the Harry Potter movies. Yeah. The tall, handsome woman. Uh, so she plays the terminally ill partner of the headmistress of the school where Emma Thompson's kids were going. So it brought in the... Yes. The LGBT aspect, also the super sad, someone's dying aspect, which they already covered with the Liam Nielsen, so they didn't have to double up. But yeah, three and a half hours would be too long. They could have also cut out the porn actors storyline. To me, that always felt weird. Like, well, they're, they're yeah, it's like they're not really porn. They're like standing stand so for just, softcore. Well, they're just standing for nude scenes in like movies. So when you can see nipples, when you can't. Oh, okay. So it's their whole job is so they're naked, right? Because like actresses and actors will have like written in their claws that you can't see, can't see like tip. Right. So they'll actually make the people do the motions so they know what they can do and what they can't do. So what you don't see tip on, what right. you, when you do, you <laughs> do not see nipple. See, I've clearly, like, tuned that part of the movie out so much because I'm just like, this is so needless. Like, I will check my phone at this junction and call it a day. Uh, let's see. Let's get the next one. Um, we have to talk about A Christmas Carol. There are so many spins on A Christmas Carol that according to Wikipedia's article on uh, adaptations of A Christmas Carol, there have been 22 movie versions of the story. Just movies. The first appeared in 1901. It was a British short film called Scrooge or Marley's Ghost and is the earliest surviving film based off the story. The next iteration that's coming out doesn't have a release date yet, but the working title is Marley and is a musical film by Walt Disney Pictures, which will adapt the story through Jacob Marley's perspective, which weird, like, dude's dead and just, like, welcomes the other ghost. So is it just, like, four songs about him, like, hello, I'm a door knocker. Like, what, what are we I doing? Don't, yeah. uh, Bill Condon will write and direct the film, while Stephen Schwartz will write its songs. I don't recognize either of those names. I thought you might. For my money, though, there are only two versions worth watching. The first is Scrooged from 1988. Roger Ebert called this version of the story, quote, one of the most disquieting, unsettling films to come along in quite some time. And yeah, it is fucking dark. But it's about a guy having a literal dark night of the soul. And Bill Murray brings his comedy genius to it. So it's a weirdly awesome balance of terrifying, hilarious, and thoughtful. At one point, Bill Murray suggests stapling antlers to the head of a mouse for the production that he's putting on, uh, and he does it with a straight face, and if that doesn't sum up the feel of the movie, I don't know what could. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty dark, agreed. <laughs> but it's also so hilarious. <laughs> I love it. And then the other one we talked about during the um, the Muppets story I did a few months ago, and that's a Muppet Christmas Carol. Uh, so in that, Michael Caine is Ebenezer Scrooge, and Gonzo is the narrator, literally Charles Dickens, and uh, Kermit the Frog plays... What's his face? The employee. I wrote these notes and I was like, I'll remember the name by the time I get there. 
Tiny Tim's dad. You know who I'm talking about. John Cratchit? Yeah, there it is. <laughs> I will do one more. I will do a Christmas story. I know you don't like this one either, but I'm a fan. So a quick plot summary. In the 1940s, a young boy named Ralphie attempts to convince his parents, his teacher, and Santa that a Red Rider BB gun really is the perfect Christmas gift. Back to last week's episode about the... Daisy. Tell, the yeah. Daisy guns. Tell your dad what you want for Christmas. Yeah. This movie is loosely based on the collection of short stories by Gene Shepard that were published in a book titled In God We Trust, All Others Pay Cash. And some of those short stories originally appeared in Playboy magazine during the 60s. So I guess people could actually say that they were reading the magazine for just the stories back then. Yeah, they actually had a lot of articles. <laughs> like, they had a lot of, like, good journalism, too, back in the day. Yeah, they were also the basis of the Illuminati revival, as we found out. Yes. <laughs> they still are problematic. Yeah. Uh, the director, Bob Clark, was previously known for his flick Porky's, and because that was such a success, the studio let him make this one. <laughs> so we have Porky's to thank for this movie. <laughs> uh, just a couple of fun facts from the IMDb trivia page. Uh, when they filmed that scene at the Chinese restaurant, Melinda Dillon, who plays the mother, was purposely given the wrong script, and everyone was in on it. She had no idea that the duck would still have its head on it. And the first time she saw it when they were filming was her actual reaction. Her shots during that entire sequence were not scripted, which is why Bob Clark was going for. And when that duck's head comes off is my favorite scene in that movie. <laughs> so hilarious. Due to the film's popularity, the Daisy Rifle Company has started producing the Red Ryder BB gun for sale during Christmas seasons. It has become one of Daisy's best-selling rifles. No word on how many eyes were shot out, though. And those are just the ones I love. There are countless others with new ones appearing every year, like Last Christmas, which sounded like a true train wreck of a film, if I ever did hear a review. The one with Amelia Clark. Yes. Yeah. They also had a really bad uh, social media campaign for that, because it was hashtag Last Christmas Movie. And I was like, are we not making any more? Like, this is the last Christmas movie? Is that what you're telling us? Like, think it through, Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> I think Elf and Love Actually were actually probably the last iconic Christmas movies to get added to the list of repeat watches in our collective tradition, and they're both from 2003. So I'm wondering what the next For me, it's be. Holiday. Kate Winslet. Is that after, though? 2006. Okay, there you go. Yeah. So that is my story about iconic Christmas movies. So, um, do we still like this? Did uh, Die Hard 2... Which is even more aggressively Christmas. Yes, which I, I prefer over Die Hard 1. Yes. Um, and it is more Christmassy. So if you wanted to... So someone, one of the guest hosts, um, looked it up. And someone had classified that it's a Christmas movie if... It's not a Christmas movie if you move it a week... Mm -hmm. And the same thing would still happen. Mm. So Christmas isn't integral to somehow. So they Got it. so Christmas. If you apply that logic to the first one, then you can almost like it's still Christmas. But well, in that case, Home Alone then could be a a non-Christmas movie. But they were positing that um, Die Hard Two, it wouldn't be as big of a deal the week after because one of the big things is just the crowds, the amount yeah. of people traveling. It's because it's Christmas. Yeah. The week or two after Christmas wouldn't be as big of a deal because there wouldn't be as many people in the airport. It wouldn't be as many people in the air. There wouldn't be as many flights. Like, sure. you know, you could probably divert them easier because everyone is that much busier, right, yeah. at Christmas. So, Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. I don't think it, it stands, though, once no. you start, like, really digging in on it. And Lethal Weapon. Lethal Weapon is often overlooked as a true Christmas movie, but in the same vein as... Die Hard, it is an 80s action Christmas movie. So this week's rabbit hole is inspired by the town of Elmont and its website. Mm -hmm. So I live near this cute little town full of Victorian charm. It's beautiful, full of local shops, has a walking trail around the river, which has a waterfall that runs through town and also provides the town with its electricity. If you go to the town's website, you'll find the following description. Elmont is a scenic mill town on the Mississippi River near Ottawa. We offer boutique shopping, excellent restaurants, fine artists, and awesome waterfalls. Oh, and they make Christmas movies here. True. Also, for the American listeners, not that Mississippi River. Yes, a different <laughs> one. 
So that's today's rabbit hole made for TV movies. If you're a big fan of this fair, then none of this will be news to you. <laughs> but if you're like me and the last Christmas movie you paid attention to was The Holiday, which came out in 2006. Oh, well, that's how you had that at your fingertip. Yeah, <laughs> then learning about this major industry might surprise you. Between the end of October to New Year's Eve, Lifetime and Hallmark will premiere 70 new holiday movies this year. It's basically like the porn industry. They're just like pumping them out nonstop all year long. Compared to the 34 between the two channels they premiered last year. Oh, so they've got the scent of money on the wind on that one. 70 new holiday movies. Between October and December? Yeah. They start October 25th. That's too much. So... (laughs) Uh, so now that, you, and now you have Netflix and Disney Plus getting in the mix, so if you want to do nothing but watch cheesy non-stop Christmas movies 24-7, these channels will let you. Yes. Yes, they will. Um, they're almost, Hallmark itself could almost have a whole Hallmark, Hallmark Christmas channel at this point, mm. with just how much. A couple of years would not surprise me. Um, as far as people who are anti-Christmas creep, they should... Sh- direct their anger towards Lifetime and Hallmark because they don't even wait for the pumpkins to be lit before clogging up TV with stories of small town girls returning home from the big city to save the town slash family business slash something from the hands of evildoers all while falling in love with the handsome town bachelor. Yep. And rediscovering the magic of Christmas. Of course. (laughs) The fandom that surrounds this is so huge that in November... Hallmark sponsored the first Christmas con in New Jersey. The three-day convention sold out. (laughs) So I'm sure they're planning on doing a second. Of course. Made-for-TV movies used to be the noise that you put on in the background while you wrapped presents, but now it's a major programming event. With Hallmark putting out 40 new movies and Lifetime 30 in 2019 alone, as I said, that has to be a large chunk of their budget. So Lifetime only makes, like cheesy mystery yeah like my daughter's actual parents are back and want to murder us yes or the house the beautiful picturesque house that i'm moving into with the new husband that i only met a few months ago and married maybe he killed his wife here and there's sinister things happening yeah yeah uh and that and holiday movies right uh both channels are engaged in a battle to be the kings of christmas with both channels offering dueling merchandise Hallmark sells a This Is My Hallmark Movie Watching Sweatshirt sweatshirt, (laughs) while Lifetime offers a All I Want for Christmas Is My Lifetime Movies Long Sleeve Tea. Man, there is a sucker born every minute. (laughs) One of the main calling cards of these movies is the stable of former stars from the 90s. Yeah, this is what, like you said, this must be the majority of their budget. I don't think so, because they're not paying these big checks. That's true. (laughs) But they're also making 40 of them. Yeah, but you have, like, one town, Elmont, you move in for one production. You, like, boff off, like, four movies in one go. But they only did one movie a year. Is a lot. <laughs> so, um, do you remember the TGIF show Sister, Sister? Yeah, of course. The T and Tara Maori. Well, these twins have chosen sides in the Christmas fight, with Tamara starring in Hallmark's A Christmas Miracle, and Tia heading up a Lifetime's A Very Vintage Christmas. Do you think some mornings they woke up and went to the other set just for fun? <laughs> other 90s stars fronting movies this year are Kristen Davis, Rob Lowe, uh, Tiana Ali, so Ashley Banks from Fresh Prince. Okay. Um, Danica McKellar, Winnie Cooper from Wonder Years. Uh, Vanessa Leahy, who's married to 98 Degrees Dude. Okay. Uh, Rachel Lee Cook, and of course, Melissa Joan Hart. Of course. Like, I assume she just, she hit some Hallmark Channel's executive's dog with a car and now just owes him in perpetuity at this point. Wait, Rob Lowe? Yeah. He's one, he's in one, I think it might be Netflix, though. Is he the, the, the fancy low brother or the low rent low brother? No, remember. he's the one that, like, was on West Wing and stuff. Oh. Yeah. Him and Kristen Davis from... Right. So uh, again, in the city. whose dog did they run over, collectively? They're in a Christmas movie about elephants oh god yes i think i've saw commercials for this somewhere oh my god humanity we need a new plague she she uh believes in the plight of elephants so she wanted to do something that everybody could watch that wasn't just like a national geographic special on the plight of elephants oh this is kirsten i thought this was like the lead up to the story of the plot (laughs) no no that's why she did it got it 
boy. So, uh, well, all that being said, there's a here's a few description of the 2019 new Christmas movies that I found in a Vulture article. So you can can you spot the similarities? <laughs> so, Snowbound for Christmas, which is on Up TV, premieres December 15th. Rachel works at a company called Education Solution that makes um, blueprints. And she gets snowed in with her handsome boss at a luxury Christmas resort in Tuscany. Christmas resort? Snowed in in Tuscany. Yeah, okay. I'm sorry. Why did I get stuck on the Christmas resort part? (laughs) There are sled dogs and snow. Sled dogs? (laughs) Again, in in Tuscany. Tuscany. (laughs) Anyways, Rachel has a habit of wearing little bows around her neck like she's one of the aristocrats and living legend scott thompson that kid of uh, the guy from home um kids in the hall fame plays a staff member at the resort (laughs) yeah that it literally they just have like a wheel with nouns on it (laughs) (laughs) yes you'll definitely see that so a christmas love story from hallmarks okay hall of fame um and that premieres december 7th Kristen Cheswick starring in a Christmas movie. She plays a youth choir director who falls in love with Scott Wolf. Yes, party of five. Who plays a widowed father of a talented teen. Finally, they're putting the Kristen back in Christmas. The Christian back in yes. Christmas. So, no bash to Kristen Chenoweth. She's got to have at least 15 years on Scott Wolf. And it shows. <laughs> if she is as old as she looks because of the, the tanning. Yeah, the makeup and the tanning doesn't help. I like, I love her. And I'm all for May-December relationships, but it just doesn't fit the, the Hallmark mold here. So, in a Christmas winter song is on Lifetime, Ashanti Oh, wow. Welcome to 1998. <laughs> stars as Cleo, a Christmas shop owner who befriends Fred, a homeless jazz singer. Cleo helps Fred reconnect with his daughters and grandkids just in time for the town's annual Christmas concert. Is, all... is Fred Santa? No. <laughs> just some dude. Of all the Christmas concerts in all the Christmas towns and all the holiday movies, we're sure Ashanti's will be one of the best. Whew. That is a lot. <laughs> so, Sweet a Mountain Christmas, which is a Lifetime movie. Megan Hilty from Smash, not the one who married David Foster, but the other one. Yeah. Stars as a country singer named Lainey Blue. Ugh. This movie takes the freak snowstorm route to stranding its too big for her britches protagonist in her Tennessee hometown. With nowhere to go, she gets roped into performing in the town's holiday concert and falls for it. A hunky snowplow driver. Of course. Mr. Plow, indeed. If the cable holiday movie lineups were a chess game, this would be a strategic opening gambit because that premiered on October 25th. Jeez, Louise. That's too early. You haven't even all, all your Halloween candy that you have to go out and replace before the kids come by by that time. Yeah. A Road Home for Christmas. The central couple in this one is Lindsay and Wes, who are rival dueling pianists. Okay, this is a thing. I guess. They go on a road trip to perform with Marie Osmond in Nashville. And yes, brave a massive snowstorm. Wait, Marie Osmond, like Marie Osmond or Marie Osmond playing some like aging washed up singer? I don't know. I think it's her playing her. (laughs) It doesn't matter. It's her. So that's a taste of the snowstorm um, concert genre. (sighs) Ah. Then we got into Always and Forever Christmas. This is a Lifetime movie. Um, Happily, this is a holiday about a marketing executive, Lexi Lawson, who plans on selling her grandfather's year-round Christmas store to a hip athletic leisure wear company. Finally, a Lifetime original that addresses the absolute epidemic of athletic leisure and outdoor voice location, wiping out the nation's year-round mom-and-pop Christmas stores. Why would an athleisure company want a Christmas store? I think they just want the place and take the Christmas out of it. Oh, well then fine. And move on to a store like a couple blocks away. Uh, There's also a hunky uh, local diner owner and a magical Christmas stranger. Of course. From the North Pole. Stranger Santa? Uh, It's a woman. So I think it's an elf. Okay. Um... There is a Christmas store in Ottawa. We should really go down and interview the people there to find out how exactly their life is like a Lifetime movie. 
Holy shit. <laughs> I know that every time we go anywhere on vacation, I go to the Christmas store and buy an ornament. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And that's usually, like, something I bring back from all my trips. Right. So, like, I have ones from Banff, and I have ones from London that I didn't put up last year that I should remember to put up this year. Uh, but, yeah, we have, like, Jamaica and Australia and, yeah. I love a good Christmas story. <laughs> a sweet Christmas romance. Lifetime. Bakery owner, Miss Rose. There it is. Is oh. retiring, and she's decided to take estate law advice from Willy Wonka Esquire. She'll host a 12 Days of Christmas contest to see who can recreate her Christmas recipe. Sure, food stylist Holly throws her toque in the ring despite not being much of a cook, which begs the question, can Lifetime just name multiple female protagonists across different movies in one year? Holly. Yeah. <laughs> Again, just a big old wheel full of nouns and one with names. Holly competes and falls in love with the local hunky Baker Brad, whose real name is Grayson Holt. Ew. I, I, again, been watching a lot of Forensic Files, and there's a lot of crime happening in the South, and every time they start rattling off names, I was like, that's not a real name. I'm adding this to the list. <laughs> a very vintage Christmas with Tia on Lifetime, um, who is a... Uh, Antique, vintage antique store owner Dottie. When Dottie finds out, finds a hidden box full of old memories from one couple's timeless romantic union, she sets out with hunky new tenant Edward, Jesse Hutch, to find its rightful owners forging in a romantic union of her own. Is this guy's last name honestly Hutch and it's yeah. based in an antique shop? Yeah. That's just lazy Hallmark. No, no, that's together. his real life name. Oh, okay. The actor's name. <laughs> Like, we get that this is just a money-making opportunity for you guys, and there's not a lot of work going into it, but, like, I was like, you need to step it up. The next one is Christmas Wishes and Mistletoe Kisses from Hallmark. Oh, that just made me throw up on my mouth a little bit. <laughs> uh, this movie follows a single mom, Abby, who takes a risk in following her true passion of interior designing. So brave. Mm -hmm. But can she design... Hunky eligible businessman Nick's estate in time for Christmas Eve? Yes. <laughs> I'm assuming. I'm assuming. <laughs> Matthew Davis plays Nick and he's Warner from Legally Blonde. Barely remember. If it's who I'm thinking of, I think I know who I'm thinking of. <laughs> Marion Bright, also from Hallmark. Uh, Joey Sweden. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Within the vein. Got yep. it. Yep. Um, Kat, she plays Kat, the CEO of a candy cane company who begins to fall for Gabe. He's posing as her arranged suitor, but is really a consultant from the Empire Corporate Recovery looking to streamline and elevate candy cane production. Will they save the business? Do you even need to ask? This is, it's, it's torturous. Like... Big candy cane is not giving a fuck. <laughs> I will just do two more because there's a lot of movies on here. Sense, Sensibility, and Snowman. I hate it. <laughs> by Hallmark's Movies and Mysteries. <sighs> Aren't you glad that these parody movies are soon to be over? I'm not here. Like, these are non-ironic. These aren't parody movies. I know. <laughs> Sense and Sensibility and Sea Monsters. Okay, if yes, if you're talking about specifically that, that's I enjoy that vein. I thought you were referring to the entirety of these movies being like parody movies. Like if they were, I could get on board because we'd be all laughing at the same thing. But like these people are taking it seriously. Uh, this Christmas flick uh, loosely uh, transposes Austin's novel into modern day Chicago, where Edward, who is Lucas McFarlane from Brothers and Sisters, who runs a toy com company but is generally a grump. Sisters Eleanor um, and, Mar and Marianne are Christmas enthusiast party planners. And at one point uh, in the preview clips, Edward tips his hat and says, my lady, and it's played straight. Oh, God. Any man who does that has never seen a vag nor will <laughs> see a vag. And it's played straight. <laughs> that's not that's not OK. Uh, now. Uh, one more. Christmas in Louisiana has a rich and deep 
Christmas in Louisiana has a rich, deep uh, mythology as Westeros, with much less bloodshed and much more Zydeco holiday music, presumably. So when the Winter family see, they're kind of like the Starks of New uh, Louisiana. They're a Christmas royalty, daughter and uh, daughter and heir to the Winter family Christmas legacy is Sarah, who is played by Jana Kramer from One Tree Hill, a former Miss Christmas, which Lifetime assures you is a very big deal. She returns to the town's sugarcane Christmas festival and rediscovers the magic of the season with her former Mr. Christmas, Luke, who is played by Percy Daggs III of Veronica Mars fame. Oh, okay. Now on to the movies that were filmed in my neck of the woods last summer. So this was Christmas Scavenger Hunt, which is a Hallmark movie, where Belinda is teamed up with her ex, Dustin, for their t- hometown's Christmas scavenger hunt. Because we all have them. Every hometown does a scavenger hunt at Christmas time. Because, uh... And then in 2008, they also shot Christmas Around the Corner, a movie in which Claire, a savvy venture capitalist from New York City, escapes to a quaint town in Vermont for the holidays and becomes the guest of a bookstore. Upon arrival, Claire finds Christmas celebrations have been cancelled by the town after a flood, and the bookstore is in dire needs of repair. She immediately takes up the challenge to revitalize the store, but clashes with the owner, Andrew, who initially rejects her proposed improvements. Eventually, sparks fly as the two become romantically involved. (laughs) Uh, Will the spirit of Christmas be enough to change Andrew's mind and encourage him to follow his heart? This movie was shot in the middle of summer. Yeah. As remember, all like, of these movies are. Yeah, I was out at your place in the middle of summer, and they had, like, Christmas stuff the town on, yeah. like, the hottest day imaginable. And I was like, this is trippy. <laughs> well, so that summer also saw the bridge in Elmont, which you bypass the sort of, like, the downtown mm-hmm. if you just want to go to the grocery store. Yeah. Um, closed so that you actually had to drive through the main drag. Ugh. Which is where they had all of the Christmas stuff set up, because it's where they were shooting. Yeah. So, like, half of the the main drag was like normal summer, normal fall. Yeah. As I shot in this into October, I think. So some people had their Halloween. And then you come into this point where it's fake snow and Christmas <laughs> decorations. And honestly, Mike Liz was very confused as to why Christmas was in this like one block <laughs> radius in Elmont. It's Hallmark, sweetie. We don't ask questions. <laughs> So I hope you enjoyed this uh, rundown of holiday Christmas movies made for TV that I don't understand mm. because they're all the exact fucking same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't understand why they need to make 70 movies of basically the same three ideas. Because it makes money. I know. <laughs> it costs them nothing to make and they make money off of it. And uh, I hope you all enjoy your uh, holiday season and Christmas movie traditions of your choice. I will be watching National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation and Mr. Bean's Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, Yo, Amazon Prime has the entire run of Mr. Bean on it. I know. I saw that this week and I was like, <gasps> oh, damn. <laughs> yeah. So that will be us at Christmas. Yeah. Fun times. Mm-hmm. Well, we certainly hope that you uh, enjoyed our show today and that you have a very happy, uh, healthy, and safe holiday um, if you are, uh, remember last week's episode where Andy was asking about my nails, just to tell you, I'm down to one. I've taken <laughs> off the thumb and now I just bring bigger. Um, in the hour since we, we, we recorded that person. Yes, basically. <laughs> uh, so, um, on that note, if you would like to know more about our show, head over to our website, which is rabbitholespodcast at gmail.com. Well, there you can check out the show notes for this episode and all our other episodes. You'll get Andy's list of um, awesome Hallmark Lifetime movies, so you can sit down and make a checklist and go through them. I'm sure someone has done a Hallmark Lifetime drinking game. Oh, for sure. I saw somewhere, like, the, um, there was a meme of, like, pick one from each column to make your own, like, holiday Hallmark movie, and it was, like, girl returns from job in busy city doing this, goes back to the hometown in this state, meets Bachelor who does this, and I was like, this is terrible. Yeah, and that's basically (laughs) what they do. They just go, they play a game of Plinko, I'm pretty sure. (laughs) Big old wheel, just... (laughs) Uh, Also on our website, you can check out the merch tab, which takes you to our patron store, or our Redbubble store, or the support tab that takes you to our patron page, and you can come on board as a patron of the show. 
And if you want to see what we're doing on social media, you can see us on Facebook at Rabbit Holes Podcast page, Instagram Rabbit Holes Podcast, and Twitter at Rabbit Holes Pod. You can also email us if there's anything you'd like to say, or if you'd like to, I don't know, argue with us about our choices of uh, holiday movies. Maybe you're a huge fan of Hallmark. Email us at rabbitholespodcast at gmail.com. Uh, if you're like what we are doing, you can leave us a review, rate us, give us a recommendation to your friends, um, and you can find that on, well, basically wherever you're getting this podcast. Absolutely. There's only one last thing to do tonight, and that is to remind you that if you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. Bye, guys. Bye. Happy holidays. Happy holidays.